0: Good morning and hello everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewcast. I'm Gareth Crater, Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, pop culture, and more. You can also catch me each week on BGSA's Geek Nation on KSWFM Radio. And uh, we have a simulcast on our page. A little delayed this week because one of the staff members is under the weather, but uh, we'll have that up probably tomorrow. Uh, Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L, central.com. Keyword skewed is where you can catch our game reviews for a, uh, 12 newspapers in 21 markets. And, of course, we have skewed and reviewed the magazine. We just put out the brand-new issue with a look at the uh, upcoming Halloween events for Not Scary Farms, Universal Studios' Halloween Horror Nights, SeaWorld's Hello Scream, and, of course, the D23 Expo preview and a cover story on Starfield. So a lot of great stuff there. And... You can also catch us on Sci-Fi Radio and syndicated. I'm joined as always with Justin and Michael, and uh, we've got a lot of interesting entertainment news to cover up for you today. Wanted to mention really quick: HBO Max original Aquaman: King of Atlantis has been released on uh, Warner Home Video. So for fans of Aquaman, fans of animation, and DC, you want to check this out. This is. Um, more of a family-oriented take on Aquaman, so don't think it's the Jason Momoa version. And basically, you have uh, Aquaman and Mira and Volko mixing it up to save the day. It's very uh, charming and humorous uh, and action-filled take on it. It is appropriate for all family members, so you do want to check that out. The other thing I wanted to mention last week was Call of Duty Vanguard and Warzone had the new season updates. I believe Warzone has the Terminator in it, and the Vanguard updates offer a brand new zombie map, which has been keeping me quite busy, as well as USS Texas 1945 map for those who want to play, and Tiny is Wonderlands has put out the DLC 3 Molten Mirror, and I went right through it, got all the way to the end, and there was a graphical glitch when I got the boss, so I had to exit out, speed run through the back to it again took out the boss but a lot of fun so gentlemen uh this recently paramount plus is uh getting ready to launch their uk uh service they had a very star-laden uh event where they had graham norton hosting they had uh just so many of their stars were on hand sylvester stallone was there kate mulgrew was there kevin costner was there michelle pfeiffer uh, Pablo Schreiber from the Halo series, on and on and on, lots of them. And then, of course, not to be outdone, Paramount Plus dropped Beavis and Butthead to the Universe last week. And uh, I can honestly say I was almost embarrassed by how much I laughed. I've always been a big Beavis and Butthead fan, and you know, people were like, "Do you still find those kind of uh, jokes funny?" And it's like, "Yes, sadly, yes, I do." The uh, the humor of Beavis and Butthead seems to be timeless for me. And uh, then, of course, we continue to have excellent episodes of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. So, Michael, why don't you start us off? What are your What is your take on this? In terms of uh, what do you think it'll mean for the greater uh, growth of the channel, as well as the streaming services as a whole?
1: Well, Paramount Plus, I think, it have been really doing a great job, knocking it out of the park recently. I, I know Halo was kind of divisive with folks, but I thought it was pretty well done uh, you know I, I kind of like the take they did with, with on it um strange new worlds from Star Trek I think is the best um new Star Trek series I think it's better than Discovery uh better than Picard um so I, I think all in all I think strange new worlds they really knocked it out of the park with that one um so yeah I mean there, there was some concern I think in, in the, initially with whether or not they would be able to you know keep up with the other streaming services like disney plus or netflix or hulu as far as content wise and and having enough to draw people in um but i've been really impressed with all their their series um you know since since i've uh, since i've been subscribed to it so obviously i think um expanding that market to the uk and just in general streaming services in general i think it's definitely one that's started off a little bit a little bit rough but i think it's I'm um, starting to find its its place, and it certainly has a lot to keep me busy. So I've been really impressed with their lineup, and if they can keep it up, obviously that would be a, um, outstanding for the service. So, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting overall.
0: Justin, your take, please.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, I, I was one of those people that was fairly skeptical of all these individual streaming services uh, being successful. Um, you know, obviously I think Netflix – um, you know, Netflix has been struggling lately, um, but the one thing that Netflix has is uh, longevity. You know, they've been around uh, in this space for a really long time. They used to be the, the top dog, um, and you know, Amazon I think got in pretty early too, so they, they've they have a really good footing. But I was, you know, early on I was fairly skeptical that a lot of these individual smaller ones that were kind of like uh, from one specific company or another. Uh, I was f- fairly skeptical that they would be uh, very successful, but you know, I think Paramount um, has really found its footing, you know, like Michael said, they have a, the, the big thing that uh, a lot of these services really need is um, they need a, a lot of it, um, exclusive, high quality content, uh, and not just you know a show once a year, but they need really a lot of variety year round. Um, And Paramount has actually seemed to found that, um, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, it's pretty interesting, you know, and I I think of the individual ones um, between like Disney, Paramount, I think Paramount will will last uh, because they they seem to have uh, uh, have found kind of their niche and it, it seems to be working for them.
0: I think one of the big advantages they have, obviously, is Star Trek. I mean, obviously, they don't want to be known as the Star Trek Network, but very soon, Deep Space Nine is going to leave Netflix in the United States, and all of the Star Trek is going to be on Paramount Plus. So there's one thing right there. Um, you also have this. Uh, some of the things that might, for some people, have flown under the radar. Sure. Michael mentioned Halo. They've already committed to a new season. We have an interview with the folks doing the video. Uh, effects on it in our magazine, and we'll put that online soon. And so that shows you that there is some diversity. They are moving towards some adult content in terms of anybody who's seen Halo knows it's not the kids' version out there. But then you also have to look at various things. There's been uh, there's talk of a pet cemetery project coming. There's a project that Sylvester Stallone is doing where he's going to be playing uh, kind of like a criminal uh on an ongoing series so there's a bit of diversity i mean obviously uh kevin costner and his shows are always a big draw but then you also have to look ahead let's not forget Top Gun maverick is going to be debuting on streaming on that service once it's done with its run in the theaters that's going to be a huge draw and you know that down the line after the next two mission impossible movies come out they are going to go there so that's going to be the interesting thing what i'm very curious about is moving forward where will paramount put their attention are they going to focus on content for the streaming service primarily or will they continue to say we are first and foremost a motion picture company and go from there because you can see uh there is sometimes a difficulty in no matter how you slice it up one side can dominate over the other paramount has never been company that puts out 10, 15 movies a year, per se, in recent history. Uh, But when they do put out something, it's tended to be quite good. I mean, we've had Sonic the Hedgehog, we've had Maverick, we've had the Quiet Place films since, uh, you know, theaters reopened. So they have had a nice little uh, string of success, and it would be very interesting to see where they go from there. The other thing I wanted to mention is we don't have the new box office numbers in yet, but projections are that the new Elvis movie and the black phone are both charting to do above expectations. And even though it's considered a little bit of a box office disappointment, I've heard that Lightyear, Jurassic world and other movies are still charting well. And I read somewhere that they're saying that there could be four to five films that made over 20 million dollars this weekend at the US box office. And exhibitors are thrilled over this because to them, this is showing a return to movie going beyond just the big event films. Up until now, the argument had been, well, it's gotta be a Marvel film or like a big event film like Batman to draw people in. Uh, oh, well, Jurassic World, okay, that's, an, that's a big event film. So uh, we'll start with you, Justin. Do you think the box office is back or is this just a little blip on the radar? Uh, I,
2: I, I would say it's in between those two things. So, um, you know, I, I, I've always maintained that uh, it's not going to be like a flipping of a switch. I think, um, you know, it'll it will come back over time because it, it really takes two things. One, you know, people have to feel comfortable going back to the theaters um and then two there has to be movies that people want to go see in the theaters and i I think both of those both sides of that equation uh are obviously heavily impacted by the pandemic so um you know it does seem like people are more and more comfortable you know month by month uh going back to the theaters um that i think that's definitely true but um you know, the productions a lot of these movies were affected pretty greatly. And so I, I think the amount of movies that are coming out, um, it's just starting to ramp up again. Um, but, you know, the, the other part of the equation is going back to streaming. You know, a lot of these movies, if they come out, you know, on streaming and in the theaters, or if they come out in the theaters and then they're only in the theaters for about, you know, a month or less than a month before they're out on streaming. 45 days. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, 45 days. Uh, and then if they're on streaming, then that really also impacts um, the box office as well. So uh, there's a lot of variables at the uh, at play here. So you know if if people sort of get used to you know watching their new movies on streaming, then uh, you know they they might not there might be a large section of people that are are less inclined to go go out and see the new movie um, in theaters. Uh, they really have to get to a point where it, it becomes the you know the the either the the person the person's individual expectation or uh, their habit to go back into the theaters again when the movies come out um, so I, I think we're not quite there but we're getting there slowly um probably another year or so I could see it you know getting back to basically what it was
0: interesting and michael your take please
1: yeah so I agree I mean I think there's a there's a couple of things that are at play that kind of build off each other and one is it's it's hard for us to really say what the landscape will look like now that streaming has become to, not not to sound redundant but more mainstream right um the, the internet speeds for streaming uh, are you know getting a lot more widespread high-speed internet i mean i know we're um a lot of countries are, are a lot further along with the rollout of of high-speed internet but the way that they're compressing things and the way that you can stream even on a slower a slower bandwidth and a lower bandwidth with the rollout of things like 5g that allow you to stream it just over a a, a cell network Um, those kind of things really have kind of i think increased the amount of adapt adoption that the industry you know folks have done with these various streaming services um so i think I think the tech pole kind of movie are are the ones that bring in the big crowds and they also hopefully reminding people the experience of going to the movies and make them more interested to go out to the movies versus seeing something on streaming. But I, but I really do think that if, if the movie theaters want to continue to have these huge numbers, I think they need to move away from the quick release streaming and kind of go back to their, you know, two, three, four month windows where they're, um, playing the movies in theaters exclusively, and then moving to streaming after a, a little bit longer like the time. like things like, I don't think Top Gun would have done the numbers it did if it had released on streaming at the same time. Uh, I think it would have still exceeded, I think it still would have done well, but I certainly don't think it would have done as well um, if it had been released to streaming on the same day or within two or three weeks. Um, I, I think that it's gonna take a lot from the industry to Uh, move away from these quick releases to streaming um, and allowing the the movies to kind of simmer in the theaters a bit longer like they used to, um, to kind of get people more back to those, to the the experiences that they're they're looking for. I think pandemic wise, I think that's kind of hit a lull where I think people are more um, comfortable going to the theaters now. Um, Generally speaking, I think people are just kind of doing, moving on and doing their own thing based on that but I still think that the bigger threat is the streaming schedule and all of these um, streaming services having these um, exclusive deals to release things on streaming you know, fairly quickly after they're in theaters. Uh, so I still think there's gonna need to be a commitment from the studios to say, hey, I mean, obviously during the pandemic, they had to do that. They needed to make up their money. They needed to be in a, in a situation where they could um, get, the, get the pictures out to see people, you know, for people to see it you know, versus having them go to the theater where things weren't safe. Um, I do think that as Justin kind of stated as well, that the industry is still catching up. Uh, I think it, it obviously with the, the lack of being able to film, the stuff being scheduled further out, that sort of thing is all kind of delayed things at a year or two. So I think we're kind of in a situation now in 2022 where we kind of wanted to be in late 2020 or maybe early 2021. So I think we're at a, we're probably a year and a half to two years behind schedule. Um, So I would agree that another year or so we'll have a better view of how things look, but I still think, I still think the pandemic was, was a, was a small ish blip um, compared to the rest, compared to what I think the streaming services are going to be. I think those are going to be a lot more long-term and you'll see what kind of commitment we have both from the streaming services and the production companies and and how that movie theater experience is going to, drive folks to go versus waiting to watch it on their tv uh, again i think with the big pole movies things like top gun things like uh jurassic world you're going to have good numbers regardless of when they stream but for i think for other movies it's a good opportunity for them to kind of you know see some time in the theater and then you know at, at that same time be able to uh, make in some money and then release the streaming a little bit later schedule
0: you know it's interesting because it it to me it illustrates the way history has always had with the theaters. There's always been ebb and flows, and for anybody who studied the history of film, and this is obviously an oversimplification, but when television came out, people said, oh, this is gonna be it. Well, they came out with color TV. Color TV, uh, you know, came out and people said, uh, oh, this is gonna cut into the theaters." So we started to get the black exploitation films and the more gritty urban stuff that you couldn't get on TV then you started to get cable television, and it was all the back and forth, and, well, we have better sound, and we have cinema, CinemaScope, we have 3D, and, you know, streaming was considered to be the big challenge to it, and, of course, what have the theaters done? Oh, well, now we have reclining seats, we have um, food service, and we have the surround sound, it's better than anything you can get at home, and bigger screens, and digital projection, and it's always been this, you know, back and forth dance, and I think Top Gun is going to be, I think, somewhere down the line where people are going to look back at Top Gun and possibly see it as a defining moment in that with the new incentives that have been passed in the government, we know that the emphasis has been on a faster Internet, more reliable, that sort of thing. That's only going to benefit streaming uh, however, and other areas. But Top Gun, I think, illustrates Tom Cruise was dead on. He held off on putting this out on streaming, and it wasn't necessarily about the profits. It was about this is a film that is best experienced in a communal setting. I remember watching the te- the uh, press screening; people were up and cheering at various aspects. I, you know, people were just screaming their heads off and just right on the edge of the seat during the whole time. You do not get that from a streaming uh, situation. The big communal experience, not knowing what the person next to you is going to react. And I think that's why you're seeing things like The Black Phone, a horror film, doing well. Looking ahead, you have something. We have The Minions, The Rise of Gru coming. The Minion films, the Despicable Me films have all been $1 billion box office films. It'll be interesting to see how this uh, fares out. About a week down the line, we have Thor, Love and Thunder. The early word on it is fantastic. I expect this to be another massive hit from Marvel. But again, we're at the event films so you have to kind of look down the line at films like Pause of Fury is a uh, Paramount movie no less is a all-star related animated film but a new franchise going to go will Sony's Where the Crawdads Sings which is based on a popular book but more of a drama is that going to draw people and one that I am actually really curious about is the um movie that's coming out very soon called bullet train we got to look at it at comic-con it's a big over-the-top action uh oriented piece but is this going to draw in people uh you know it's just so many interesting questions down the line about films that are coming out and you know what is going to be the thing that gets people going and we, we all know the big event films have proven to be there but you know, are people going to start embracing the smaller films? And that will be interesting. I'm especially interested when we start getting closer to Halloween, where films like we've seen now, like smile Halloween ends, if they decide to do the same day, uh, a peacock uh, like they did with the last chapter, black Adam, that should do well, but you know, those are kind of films that will be interesting to see uh, how the people respond to. Now, Following that up, guys, uh, there was a lot of back and forth on this, but Marvel uh, the other day put to rest any uh, speculation about them not being at San Diego Comic-Con and essentially, as believed, focusing entirely on the D23 Expo in September. Kevin Feige not only said, is Marvel back at San Diego Comic-Con with a Hall H presentation, but they have big news to announce, which the rumor people are expecting is going to be Secret War um and possibly a look at wakanda forever and uh, some of their upcoming films so justin what do you make of this
2: yeah interesting so um you know I, it doesn't surprise me i guess a whole lot i mean we talked about before and I, I think i've i've been pretty um you know uh, the stance i've taken is that companies will further and further kind of use their own events for uh their big announcements but uh you know it does show that um san diego comic-con is still a really big deal and uh i think you know just my speculation i I think disney probably reasons uh marvel specifically probably reasons that it you know they probably get more out of it than than uh you know just holding off to a disney specific event just because you know san diego comic-con has um you know just such a huge following and it's such a big event that if if it was if they weren't there um you know uh people would people would definitely uh note that and they would probably uh you know i i think they would they would probably lose more um by you know holding off to a a disney specific event than than participating so um so it's pretty interesting you know and uh i had read that uh I, i think it was maybe in an interview that kevin feige had given or or, or something um, along the lines that uh, will kind of know what their next big uh, plot arc, you know, their Thanos level kind of threat, um, and and what the uh, the MCU kind of is going to be about uh, going forward uh, fairly soon within the next several months. So I, I think it would it would make sense that uh, you know Secret Wars or or some other kind of big reveal as to what you know what they're going to be building to next for their next big giant event um you know it's kind of revealed you know maybe at san diego comic-con that makes sense Um, but yeah and also Wakanda forever i think that's also a good candidate for one of their movies that they could end up showing off there
0: absolutely michael your take please yeah and i agree i mean
1: i don't think you really have sdcc without marvel i think they kind of go hand in hand and i think if you know marvel wasn't going to be there I think that would have been a difficult thing for SDCC. Because again, we all know how um, everybody camps out in line for days to get and to into see those announcements and to see what, what Marvel's bringing to the table. Obviously, I think Marvel is a much bigger following in the comic crowd than it is in the Disney crowd. Um, so it would make sense that Marvel would have a more, I, I don't know, have, have a little bit bigger presence and a little bit more announcements at a, at a, at a Comic-Con specific event than say like a disney event um kind of the same thing we see with star wars um you know obviously disney you know has their their own show where they kind of discuss some star wars stuff but having their own star wars specific event is where a lot of this stuff kind of comes down so i think it's good news for sdcc and and just for shows in general uh, I, I think it's i think much like any other convention i think sdcc is still going to see a uh, need another year or so to kind of get back to where um, it has been in the past. I think this year is going to be kind of it's it's getting almost back to normal and then I think next year will be a, a back to normal type thing. But yeah, I think without uh, without Marvel um, commitment there, I think it would have been a really difficult showing for SCCC. So I think that's a really positive um, event and I think it'll help kind of continue to drive interest in SCCC and continue to drive you know the crowds and the the uh, expectations of what those events will be uh, going forward so i think overall i think it's it's obviously a win for that industry
0: i think they'll probably do something similar to what they did in 2019 in that uh they came out they had the panel where they made the introductions you know this we've got thor coming we've got quantumania they brought the cast members out they announced the films but d23 might be where you get the up close looks because i've talked about in the past sitting in on the showcases where um Anthony Mackie and Chris Evans came out and they literally showed us a scene it was the freighter scene that was they told us was just filmed the week before and still had temporary effects then they showed us the elevator fight scene they, uh, you know, they brought out for the Thor dark world, they brought uh, them out and they showed um, the scene where, um, you know, Loki and Thor are mixing it up and so I, I'm kind of wondering if that's kind of like the plan, is that we'll come out and we'll, you know, we'll maybe show you a clip for Wakanda Forever, which would be the next one after Thor. Um, we'll come out and we'll uh, maybe tease a little bit of Quantum and maybe a little bit of the Marvels, because those are the ones that are filming and or finish. And then we'll get the announcements of this is what's coming next. This is what's coming next. Here's the stars. We'll probably get some casting news, perhaps. And we'll we'll obviously get some reveals and some previews because they're not going to go into Hall H without coming in with something loaded. They'll make the big announcement. But then as I see it, it's going to be, okay, that's July, wait until September, and then we're going to have even more for you. So it's going to be kind of like, in in a way, it's a brilliant move because you take care of the base at Comic-Con, you get everyone excited, but then there's that little dangle of, your next bit of information is gonna come on this date, so pay attention to that. And that will be really, really interesting to see. I'm, I'm beyond excited to see what they have. Uh, really quick, I wanted to mention that Furiosa is filming. This is the uh, prequel in Mad Max world, and it will be interesting to see. Uh, supposedly, it's being called by some the largest production ever done in Australia, so that will be interesting. Also, I got news. This one kind of blew my mind. Apparently, Lee Wannell, who worked with Saw, was the director of The Invisible Man. And when I say worked with Saw, he not only appeared in the original film, he was one of the co-creators of the story. Uh, apparently, he's going to work with Universal again. A lot of people said, oh, there's the plans for an Invisible Man sequel. Uh, there, he's been attached to some other things, but apparently he's looking at doing a new version of The Green Hornet and Cato and I'm very curious, because David Cope, uh, who worked with the Jurassic Park films, apparently has written the script. So this is one that you're kind of like, eh. And, you know, we mentioned Thor coming up. No surprise there are some people saying, oh, this is going to be his last go-round. And Chris Hemsworth has basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, as long as the fans want me, as long as the studio want me, I'm in. They're going to have to drag me off the stage. So that that's good to know. Um, now, gentlemen, uh, we mentioned the Black... Uh, phone. Uh, Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights has mentioned that there is going to be a Blumhouse-themed maze, so I'm really curious to see how that is going to be received. So obviously, we'll have our coverage of that. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for us this week. I covered a lot of stuff. We look forward to talking to you next week, and uh, hopefully, we'll have uh, some new stuff to. Uh, uh, Clarify on not only what we talked about with Comic-Con plans, I'm anticipating meeting requests coming in soon for our coverage and lots more. And until that time, everybody, take care and be safe.